Talks, a chat with Finance Malta, is the podcast series that gives you short, thoughtful and regular insights from leading experts of the financial services industry. I'm Vanessa McDonald. Welcome. Welcome to another podcast in the Finance Malta FinTalks series. I'm Vanessa McDonald, and here with me today we have Jack O'Sullivan, who's the Director of Account Management at EasyOps. Well, it started as a consultancy firm nine years ago, moved to product six years ago, and it's basically a data company. When I was doing the research, Jack, I found this wonderful quote, which says that the quality of administration in this case, fund administration, depends almost entirely on the quality of its data. Mm -hmm. So, tell me what that is all about. Absolutely, but uh, look, thanks for, for having me on here. It's, it's uh, really appreciated. My, my first time in Malta and all that as well, so this is, this is all great. Um, with respect to data quality, um, you know, with the, with the fund administrators and, and large institutions that we're dealing with, they have a litany of, of data sources. A lot of them are still somewhat brick and mortar. So they've got um, you know, these, these, these external dependencies from brokers and custodians of supplying them with data sets. They're not always correct, they're not always complete. So then they need to throw people at, at that to try and resolve those problems. Um, so with the benefit of technology and, and enhanced transformation tools and things like that that we have, we can take in those data sets, so any data types from any data sources, connect them up and transform them into a, a readable and, and analyzable um, something which sets. makes sense, something coherent. Yes. Yeah, and, and I hope that all makes sense the way I've described it. But what that allows then is for um, you know enhanced analytics, uh, things like that. So when you're when you're talking about something like AI and machine learning, which is quite topical for um, for the conference and, and just in the world at the moment, AI and machine learning is only as good as the data that goes into it. Which is you know back to the point that you just made there and, and found on the on the website. I found um, a report which said that global data creation is going to grow by 180 zettabytes by 2025. I don't even know what a zettabyte is, but I imagine it's a huge amount of stuff. Yeah. And it all has to be done in real time. So how on earth are people going to cope with this, this amount of data? Could they do it on their own without well, the, he the help of you know, um, software and technology? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that, that's, that size of uh, a figure is behind my, my comprehension as well. <laughs> a lot of zeros, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, look, it's, it's these big data sets and big data models that, are, that have to be processed to give you a competitive edge in the financial industry. Um, you know, just like any industry now, everybody's setting up new shops, everybody's coming up with new ways of, of uh, innovating um, and processing data and coming out with, with new outcomes um, to make them a leader. So it's... Um, it's, you can't do that through the likes of Excel, even. You can't do it on paper, certainly not on uh, you know, the old traditional ways of, of doing these calculations. Um, so it is, it is enhanced technology. It's, it's, it's understanding exactly how you need um, to process those, those massive amounts of data, um, because they can be used in so many different ways. So you do, it's not just the technology problem, you, you do need a human understanding to really leverage and harness okay. that capability. Um, and, and that's really a deep understanding of your own use cases, of your own current state, of where you want to go in the future. Um, so things like your vision and whatnot. Um, probably went a little off topic on that question there. But no, but um, it, if you're going relevant. to sort of get somebody external to do it, mm -hmm. is it actually cost effective? Um, I mean, is the cost of trying to 
you process all of this information, sounds like it's extremely labor intensive. So does it make sense to automate it? In terms of bringing in a third party? Yes. So it's uh, yeah, that, that classic build versus buy question. Um, so in, in terms of build, if you've got the, the depth of um, money and, and resources available uh, and expertise as well in a, in a very competitive world, yes, you, can, you, know, you could develop your own solution. That comes with a big overhead um, in terms of, of if you're using some open source technology, even with your own internal tech teams, there's vulnerabilities that need to be kept on top of, um, that need to be, to be patched on a, a sort of a monthly basis to be compliant and all of that. You've got to consider um, the risks of processing that data yourself, uh, what to do when it goes wrong, is it sustainable, what happens when things change. So you're constantly developing. So you're, you're in effect becoming a software company within a company in that scenario. Which, just, which doesn't actually make sense nowadays. It, it, it doesn't, uh, depend, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. It depends on the process, or it depends on the use case and the size and the scale of, of what you can do. So variable is the, the, the answer I'm going to give you. But when you're talking about a vendor or um, another provider, they're generally specializing in some sort of a niche. So they've got something figured out. They're giving you guarantees contractually that they're going to develop um, and keep up to date and be in line with your compliance and policy and procedures. Mm. So it's, that's, in that sense, outsourcing does make a lot of sense. Um, it takes a bit of a burden off. Um, is, it, is it watertight? Nothing is really nowadays. There's always risks and, and leaks happen and there's big profile ones that happen all the time. So Toyota there had something uh, for, geez, was it like back to 2009 or something? I can't remember the year. But someone had accidentally just switched uh, private cloud to public cloud, you know, in that scenario, internally exposing client data to, you know, billions of people if they wanted it. And they claim nobody got their hands in it, but that's kind of hard to believe, you know. Yeah, it is, especially yeah. nowadays when everything is on the internet before yeah. it's even happened. <laughs> but, you know, with the, with the provider, um, you do so, somewhat have, have someone to, to point the finger at and, and hold accountable. So that makes our standards. Um, they have to be to be really really high and on top of things um, and things like testing and validation throughout the development lifecycle come come massively into play there. We were talking. You were mentioning testing and development and so on. Um, is there a role for sandboxes in in that kind of an environment? Well, you're getting a sneak peek at the uh, the talk for later. Nice one. At least this is between us. I can I can I can divulge. <laughs> um, but no, look, they're they're incredibly important. Um, we, we couldn't do what we do in terms of innovation, um, safeguarding against risks and, um, and all of that without sandboxes. So if we're talking twofold, one on the innovation side, we can collaborate with our, um, with our clients who'd be the fund administrators, asset managers, banks, etc. anything, um, anyone with data. <laughs> we are able to go and try out those solutions in a sandbox, which is safe, it's secure, it's not connected externally, it's not exposed. So there's a lot of trial and error goes into that, um, but it's very collaborative. It doesn't upset business as usual. Mm -hmm. So traditionally, without a sandbox, you might be doing it in a, in a development environment, and you'd promote that to a user acceptance testing UAT environment, and then push that to production. But um, with the sandbox, you can, you can preserve everything that's there. You can say, all right, well, we're sure this is a good solution to go ahead with or not go ahead with. So we can push that into. And it's not just commercial viability; it's also regulatory viability because Absolutely. you may kind, you may find that it would run foul of certain practices 
um, and it's much cheaper, obviously, to find out about it before it's launched. Totally, totally. <laughs> yes. um, I mean, the, the, reg the regulatory risks are, you know, they're, they're obvious enough, and that falls both on the, the providers um, as well as the um, as well as the, the financial services companies. And obviously, it's, it's usually the, the jurisdictional regulators and, and laws of the land that you need to be approved to operate in, in that jurisdiction. And um, if you if you fall afoul of it, let's say with um, a, a data leak or, or something along those lines, or you've you know you don't have appropriate compliance rules, policies, and procedures with, with access management and things like that set up in the system, you can you can get into a fair bit of trouble with, with auditors or worse, with the, the regulators and, and you can get That's what fines. I was going to ask you because we've been talking about the sort of the processing of data in mm -hmm. an operational sense where everything is, you know, very positive and so on. But what about risk mitigation? I'm, I'm sure that's also part of what you do, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, because as you were saying, the cost of um, yeah. falling in between the cracks can, can actually be quite prohibitive. Totally, yeah. And I'll, I'll go back to my initial point, which was, uh, was about kind of connectivity and where you've got some legacy systems, so older systems uh, within a massive organization that's cross-jurisdictional. It's, you know, they have operations with different technologies in multiple locations, things like that. They're sending data from all these different places internally and externally into a new system. Do they even know how to speak the same language? That must be quite a headache, no? <laughs> well, that's where the, the, the sophisticated integration techniques come in. Um, you know, if you're connecting via an API, if it's a file-based situation, connecting to the SWIFT network, whatever, um, you know, there's different means and ways to do that. But you're still, all of those pipes are a potential risk that needs to be mitigated, mitigated against. So it's all well and good for us to go and take a use case and say, yeah, we can go and automate that. We can connect into that data source and process it, and we can spit it out the other side in a very clean format that allows you to do other things. Talk to compliance uh, in a big organization, and there, there's a lot of no-nos, you know, the data governance and, and, and the infosec side of things. With that, you need to have a certain amount of confidence, trust, and protection. Um, you know, this this usually kind of I think three layers of, of security when uh, when you're when you're transferring data. Don't have those off the top of my head, but it has to be demonstrated to be safe and secure. Well, you're dealing with a lot of people's personal information as exactly. well, so financially sensitive or personal stuff as yes, well. Yes, so and the personal stuff you need to, you, data protection would mean that you need to have some kind of an ethical framework, no, to be able Absolutely, to yeah. access and use this data. And with GDPR, that's, that's totally relevant to, to everything we do. Um, and a good point on that actually is around how you would treat data in a sandbox environment versus, um, you know, a live environment. So you do things like data masking uh, or anonymize certain data and scrub it so that, again, that makes it more secure in, in, in its uh, totality. Uh, because there is technically no risk if the data is, you know, nonsensical to an extent, but you can still test out all of those scenarios um, and still provide the, the solutions. But you can, you can stress test that, you perform regression testing, so making sure that if you introduce a change to an existing environment, it's not going to upset anything else that all is already there. Um, and then penetration testing, that's the, the security aspect, so, you know, can you, can you get at the data, can you hack it? So there's all like we have engineering teams and, and QA teams that are are doing this on a daily basis. Well, this is going to become even more of a headache once Dora takes over. So 
this kind of penetration testing and so on is going to become quite mandatory. Yeah, yeah. And uh, look, I'm not an expert on the, the door regulation, so I, w I won't speak too much about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just in, in general, um, our reputation, we have to be trusted by our clients. We have to offer them assurances that we are treating their data with the utmost sensitivity and that there is no risk to them because ultimately they're the custodians of the data. So when they trust the technology provider to process that data, they need to trust and know that we need to prove it that we're not going to be doing anything irresponsible or, or unethical in that sense. Tell me just very quickly a little bit about your role in Malta. My role in Malta, yeah. So we're, uh, we're trying, to, um, trying to make a lot of uh, new, new connections here. Um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity as a place to potentially set up a business um, and set up an office here because, as we know, there's, there's all these, these payment provider companies, so they're all processing data at, a, at an enormous rate from an enormity of sources. So we can offer some solutions to, to those guys, um, which is an exciting thing. And then obviously you've got some fund administrators and asset managers and things like that set up here as well. So we're, we're keen to, to improve their operations if they're open to it and understand their businesses and understand if there's, um, if there's a gap that we can fill on their behalf. Jack, thank you very much for being with us. I'm sure that our Finance Malta members will find it very much of interest. Thanks very much, Vanessa. Pleasure. That's all for today. Subscribe now to the FinTalks and follow Finance Malta on all social media platforms to stay updated with all our activities. Till the next podcast.